Hey, this is Pat Milotic, UFC Hall of Famer, and you're listening to It's Me Speaking to You with host Jeffrey Wilson. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of It's Me Speaking to You. I am, as always, your ever-faithful host, Mr. Jeffrey Wilson, coming to you live and direct for the final time from the Gateway to the West. We are moving down the road, folks, and today, what better way to uh, close things out here in St. Louis with uh, somebody I've watched absolutely all my life as a huge professional wrestling fan. Man, this guy has quite a list of accolades. Two-sport All-American in college. 1971 NCAA champion in wrestling. This guy, I mean, he's done a bit of it all, man. Went on to uh, win the WWE championship. This guy's got quite a few stories, and we're hopefully going to hear what he's been up to. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Backlund. Mr. Bob Backlund, how are you, sir? It's my pleasure. Uh, everything is great. Having a beautiful day, and really looking forward to uh, coming back to St. Louis on September uh, 9th. September the 9th for SICW and Herb Simmons. Uh, great promotion. The guy's one of the last of the Mohicans of the original old school wrestling promoters, uh, dating back to the you know Larry Muchnick or Sam Muchnick, Larry Matisic wrestling at yep. the Chase, as you well know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we're looking forward to it, too. You know, I, like I said, that's very interesting. Uh, you know, your two-time sport, All-American in college. Um, you know, obviously, I, I love doing, as they call, show prep for these interviews. So I, you know, obviously listened to some of your other interviews, et cetera, and yeah. found quite a few things very fascinating, sir. You know, you're, you, um, you didn't consider yourself necessarily the best wrestler in the world. You kind of had to grow into your athleticism. And I found it interesting, like you said, you did you did a little bit of all the sports, and because um, you didn't want to go home, I found that fascinating. Can you illuminate a little bit on that, sir? Well, uh, I I had a a father that wasn't very good at drinking, and uh, uh, home wasn't too much fun, uh, and uh, um, I started I went out for sports just so I wouldn't have to go home, and uh, even just and I got beat up. I was I, I was always at, started at the dirt bottom when everything I did I was the worst football player, the worst wrestler ever in Minnesota. And uh, I'd get beat up, but it was better than going home and uh, kind of putting up what was at home. Yeah. Uh, and then um, later in my life, uh, everything, you know, I got beat up so many times, it started kicking in. <laughs> and uh, uh, I started pro improving a little bit. And uh, um, I got some big rewards for uh, working hard and uh, um, training hard and um, just keeping, keep going. And like they always say, never capitulate. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I, you know, and I find that very fascinating. Me, myself, I was kind of the runt of the litter, never really that great at sports, and really kind of, you know, for the lack of a better term, as far as athleticism went, really kind of threw in the towel as far as really competing and stuff. But that is so true about different aspects of life, sir, and I, I found that very profound, you know, to, as, in your opinion, and, you know, you're probably right. You know, a lot of people don't just show up just awesome at sports. You have to practice. You have to not give up. And uh, you, you've taken that and kind of used that as the, you know, mantra for your life. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and, uh, and uh, like uh, the uh, the wrestling or the football coach at uh, uh, Waldorf Junior College uh, when I started there, uh, he, he brought me in, and uh, uh, when I ended, he um, said I was nowhere near the most talented athlete he ever coached, but I was the most driven person that he'd ever coached. In that self-driven, yeah. self-driven. Absolutely, and that could make up for you know a, a definitely a lack of talent. Um, and, and, you know, another thing that you know, as a part of your mantra of like never give up, never say die, I found it very fascinating. Um, tell us how impactful 
um, I, I'm not sure what exact match it was, but it was a high school wrestling loss um, <clears throat> that your parents were there. <clears throat> excuse me. That really impacted you. Yeah, that was uh, that was my senior year, or no, uh, that was my junior year in high school, and I just learned earlier in the year I learned something that hard work. I really got a big present for working out hard, and I thought I was ready to go in the world and uh, and succeed. And I uh, I got we got to the finals. I was undefeated, and I was wrestling a guy that was a second team wrestler. Uh, and I, 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 Vern Gagne said on TV that I was going to be the next, uh, 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 champion of the 175 pound weight class. And everybody was telling me I was going to win. I was going to do this. The guy, I already beat two guys that already beat him. And, uh, uh, and I never really, uh, understood about how important the mind was right. in, in my competition as far as, uh, uh, my the athletics. Uh, and, you know, and I found out that if you don't have your mind right, you're not going to, uh, win anything. I went out and, uh, the guy got five points on me right away and he beat me. Mm. And he was a second team, second team wrestler. He wasn't even the starter on the team. Wow. And, but it was because I, I didn't have my mind right. And, uh, uh, you know, I was, uh, you know, I had, there was a big crowd. Everybody thought I was going to win. And then I, I let everybody down. And, uh, when I started walking towards my mom and dad and all the people that came there to, from Princeton, Minnesota, I started crying. I turned around and walked out of the building. I couldn't face them. Well, and I mean, then, a uh, t- tough life it, lesson that you've carried with you. Yeah. And then Monday after when I went back to school, I couldn't even remember my combination to my locker. That's how, you know, how bad, you know, I, it was the worst thing that ever happened to me, but in the long run, it was the best. It, it, uh, taught me that you never, you don't want to, you don't even want to know the name, the guy's name. You don't want to know his record. You don't know where he's from. All you had to know is that you had to go ahead to go out there at your best and beat the guy. And that's, and that's very true. And I've, I've heard that. I mean, I don't know how much you follow mixed martial arts at all, but I mean, that's, that's, um, Conor McGregor, even though he lost, that's something that I've heard him say in other martial arts and other boxers and other people kind of in your lane say it's not really about the opponent. It's about the, it's a really a battle within yourself. Yes. It's in the mind. It's in the mind. And, you know, um, uh, I, I learned a lot. I learned something about peer pressure. I learned that hard work paid off. Uh, and, I, and you know, I just, uh, and, and I, the mind didn't uh, really enter my mind when I was wrestling prior to that one match uh, when I was a junior in high school. But it really uh, uh, was a good thing to have happen. Uh, it paid. Off, it was you know, it paid off later on. And uh, um, but I needed to learn it, and then I learned it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like I said, a, t- a tough lesson that definitely uh, definitely shaped your life. So you know, tell me uh, the move to to go pro. In 1973, what prompted that? Was that something that you was you kind of knew that was going to be a natural evolution for you to go from amateur to pro wrestling? No, no, no. I I played one year of semi-pro football. I had a friend that was my weightlifting partner uh, when I was in tenth grade. His name was Ross Johnson, and in our scene, and he had big dreams. He had big dreams, and he had uh, he wanted to play football and this and that, and he. Uh, we were working out together, lifting, and I I was getting stronger, and he was getting weaker, and we couldn't figure out why. He had he he had leukemia. Uh. He died just after we graduated from high school, and I thought Ross and I would be friends for the rest of our lives. Anyway, I wanted to make his goal. I went out, uh, Ron Earhart, uh, um, 
at North Dakota State University, I was recruited by the wrestling coach, and he didn't. Uh, uh, he told uh, coaches that I didn't want to play uh, in the in professional football. But anyway, I went to a, a Mundelein, Illinois, and I played uh, football there. And I tried to I'd see if I could make it into the pro football. And there had been, there'd been guys that had been there for ten years. And on my way home um, from when when the season got over, I was driving home, and I was thinking about that. And I'm not going to wait ten years. And I I was going to thinking about switching uh, what I was going to be doing. Mm. And uh, at North Dakota State University that year, uh, I met somebody that was very interesting at the YMCA in Fargo, North Dakota. His name was Billy Superstar Graham. He came over and talked to me a little bit, and I talked to him, and he asked me, did you ever think about getting into the business? And I said, no. But on my way home, I started thinking about that. You know what? I said, by the time I got home, I had myself convinced, let's <laughs> try the professional wrestling business. Well, especially back then, Bob, as you know, you know, Dusty, there was a lot of people, Wahoo, several who gave up the professional. I don't know if Dusty was really professional, but he was kind of angling toward it as well. But there was just more for the top guys. There was almost more money in uh, in wrestling than football. I remember Jim Cornette saying in uh, way, way back in the day, some of the most top paid people in the world or in the country at the time was professional boxers and uh, professional wrestlers. Yeah. But, you know, at the time I wasn't thinking about money. Yeah. I was thinking about just uh, uh, getting out there and doing it. <laughs> you know? Right, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I didn't, uh, like uh, even Vince McMahon, we shook hands. We, we didn't say one word, uh, uh, Vince McMahon Sr. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah. we didn't say one word about money. Mm. Uh, we just shook hands, and, uh, and that, it worked worked very well. well he you was speak, a very honorable person, too. Yes, you speak very, very uh, glowingly of, of Vince McMahon Sr., uh, and that kind of jumps us to, I guess you got into WWF. In 1976, WWWF, and that was I, I got in there, and it was in 1977. Oh, okay, okay. And uh, it was uh, uh, I, I got the championship on February 20th of 1978, and uh, I came in, um, started, uh, you know, doing. He was introducing me on the TVs, trying to get me uh, uh, known by the people uh, for about uh, maybe eight months before that date. Well, and I find, you know, it's, you know, obviously, you know, kayfabe's over and we all kind of know somewhat of the inside baseball. I found it interesting that, um, you know, Vince Sr. was obviously took the took the belt off of Superstar and wanted to go in a more kind of all-American boy direction. And he kind of got that cue a bit from Eddie Graham down in Florida using Jack Briscoe. Um, and I don't, know if, I don't know if this is true or not, but, I mean, that's what they were kind of emulate with with you taking that all-American kind of boy. Because uh, it seemed like they were having, in the WWF at the time, it sounded like they were having a lot of issues with their ethnic champions, Bruno, Pedro, I mean, people were getting hurt. Blackjack Mulligan got stabbed numerous times. I mean, it was, it sounded like, you know, they needed to kind of cool things down as far as, uh, the heat on, on, on the wrestlers. Did you, how, do you know anything about that? Bringing you in as the All American boy, taking a cue from Eddie Graham well, down in Florida? No, well, you don't know, Vince, um, Vince called a lot of the promoters and asked them who would be the best All American boy to replace Bruno Sammartino with. Hmm. And then, uh, and then I did something. I was in a car with three other wrestlers, uh, uh, in, in Atlanta, Georgia, and they started smoking marijuana. Mm, I heard And they wanted me to, they wanted me to do it with them. 
and I refused to do it. And that got around in the business at that time a, a lot. Uh, you know, telling a wrestler was like telling a telephone. Right. And uh, I walked away from. I didn't. I didn't bend. I wouldn't give in. And uh, I rolled my window the one down uh, when I was riding around in the car, and they they rolled it back up. Mm. And uh, uh, so um, I was sitting there, and I was thinking, geez, I need these guys to be my friends because uh, you know they're the ones that talk to the promoters. I don't. And uh, you know, and I thought maybe I should fake like I'm uh, fake like I'm doing marijuana with them. I decided not to do that. I decided to stick to the principle. There was peer pressure, and I wasn't going to do it. Mm. And I learned something about that in eighth grade. Um, so I didn't do that. And every promoter knew that I turned these guys down as far as doing drugs with them. And they knew Vince McMahon Sr. had a, had a quality that the wrestler had to be a better guy out of the ring than in the ring as far as being a good role model for his company. Sure. And if I would have done, if I would have did the marijuana with, with him, I I wouldn't have uh, uh, I wouldn't have got to replace Bruno San Martino. Every promoter said my name because I because I did that that one night. Hmm. Interesting. And, uh, and Vince asked everybody, every promoter, who's the best all-American boy to uh, take Bruno's place. And Bob Backlund, enter Bob and I, Backlund. And I was the only one. That was the na only name they mentioned. Huh. Well, like you said, uh, in the professional wrestling world, stories, good and bad, you know, travel travel very fast. Yeah. But, you know, like, again, one of those kind of decisions that's, that shaped your life. And that, that kind of, when I first started watching wrestling, I would, I would you know, I was more of a TBS, NWA guy. But, you know, USA would always carry the, the Madison Square Garden show, so I would always see yeah. you. And those were always awesome to watch. And it was, you know, you, you held your belt longer I think anybody else, you know, Bruno, six years, and Bruno Sammartino, I think, was eight years, so you're second to Bruno as far as the longest yeah. reign. Oh, Bruno, Bruno was 11. Bruno was 11. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. you just you just obviously don't see that today. The wrestling business has changed so much. And, what you know, I guess, well, no, 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 yeah, let's stay in kind of um, that, that kind of time. So you had the belt for six years there, and then, I don't know, what are, you, what are your thoughts on the, the, the switch to um, – to the Sheik. Is it true that you didn't want to get off this, get, you know, give the strap up to Hogan? You would rather give it to a legit shooter kind of wrestler like the Sheik? No. Uh, the Iron Sheik? Uh, yeah, that had, uh, you know, they just asked me, you know, I, he, the, the Sheik was going to be the next guy, and, you know, guys come in and they get ready to wrestle, the, you know, the guy that's got the belt. Uh, they keep him coming in steady. The Sheik was the next guy coming in. I just said, uh, and I met him in Minnesota. He, he was out there coaching, uh, helping the Greco wrestling team, uh, yeah. Coach Rice, uh, uh, you know, getting ready for um, uh, the, the games. And um, I knew him from out there. I just said, yeah, let's do it with the Sheik, you know, if you want to do it. And uh, and then they said, Vince Sr. said, uh, uh, figure out something that uh, way you want, want to do it, you know. Yeah, and it was was but, it the was it the I was but, just again doing show prep. Was it the club that injured the back and when you did the Persian club and then she attacked you and then you you would how did that how did that come about the the back injury? You know everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you well, you know it's a business. Yeah. It's it's if, if we're going to talk business, it's it's a business and uh, um, you know, I did those clubs uh and it I wasn't a business that. that nobody else could do them. <laughs> that was impressive. Um, but uh, but um, I was the only one. And uh, 
um, I did them, and I, you know, I, I, I you know, it, uh, it that was business. <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah. and, and uh, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, but uh, and uh, you know, I did. I it was that was supposed to look like I got hurt. Well, it was great. I was just like I even like watched it back a couple times. So I'm like, oh, this is where the back. Because I remembered it took me, like I said, just doing show prep kind of refreshed my mind. But you know, those weren't light, so you could have. I mean, whatever. You 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 did a good job selling that for like for the wrestling term. But um, does it did it make sense to you though? Because politically at the time, as we know, the Ayatollah and the Iran I had so much heat. So into the Iron Sheet, taken out. You know the the baby face of all baby faces, Bob Backlund. Did that make business sense to you? That may that makes big business sense to me. Yeah. We did some uh, something like that, and when I first started in uh, um, in uh, Amarillo, Texas, with the kind of the the political using like a political yeah. angle. Yeah, I beat I beat somebody. I beat Terry Funk uh, for the for the Western Championship, and then uh, they had the guy that was. Uh, uh, a Russian uh, come in and uh, take it away from me in a really rude way, and I was just when I was just getting started then. Mm, okay, that was uh, that was you know that was uh, and it was sort of that with the Sheik that was sort of mirroring that what we did back in uh, Amarillo, Texas with the Funks. Right. Well, success leaves clues, you know, especially yeah, in the yeah. professional wrestling business. There, you see a lot of these angles repeated. Um, and, and so enter again another piece of business, you know. Um, I, she didn't have it that long, but you know, enter the Hulk Hogan era. Was that was that good business to you as well, or do you think she should have held it a little longer? Well, you know what, uh, Vince Vince Junior, you know, had his goals and he, he wanted to do certain things, and it fit what he wanted. Right. It didn't fit really. I wasn't, uh, you know, I was, uh, you know, I was Vince McMahon Senior's All American boy. Right. Well, I was in, his All American yeah. boy, not Vince Junior's. And, uh, and Vince had taken I it. I didn't fit into his plan. Right, right. Because he obviously, I mean, as we see, took it in such a way different direction. You know what I mean? Than than yeah. obviously yeah. senior. So I mean, what do you? What are your thoughts? I mean, obviously, you've had a lot of successes still with the WWF, 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 and even WWE. Um, you know, what are your thoughts? And I asked this to a lot of the, you know, Kamala I've had on, Jim Duggan. What are your thoughts on wrestling today? Is it is professional wrestling completely? deceased and we we have now is just straight sports entertainment well yeah it's it's entertainment you know and a lot of people would like to bring kfa back you know even the fans um but uh but uh you know it's it's changed a lot but it's still a great business it's still uh um you know it's still uh kind of some of the same structure but in the ring the art of telling the story in the ring is gone. Yeah. You know, we used to slowly in the match draw the people into the match emotionally by doing the certain steps and listen to the crowd and uh, and set a pace. And then you'd get to a peak and you'd have an ending. And uh, it was a it was a kind of a storytelling thing in the in the ring that uh, that they don't have time to deal with now. Well, now it just seems like high spot after high spot. Everybody's trying to just yeah, get their yeah, stuff in. High spot. Yeah, 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 and it's yeah. yeah there's and I, you know obviously you can't do like Johnny Valentine. You know he can, he can't hold a headlock for forty five minutes, but he would always say, you know, I can't make you convince you that wrestling's real, but I can convince you that I'm real. And it's just you know, that psychological aspect. You you know all those guys, Jake the Snake, Robert, a lot of those guys who were great at telling stories, not just on the mic, 
but but in the ring, I think we've lost a bit of that. Like the kayfabe. Yeah. Well, he uh, lost it, it all. He lost it all. I yeah. saw the other day, you know, Braun Strowman and and Roman Reigns are, are supposed to be like, you know, these bitter enemies. Of course, we know they're not. But they took pictures of those guys over in Rome in front of the Coliseum and posted it on Twitter. I'm just like, man, you guys, you're not even trying anymore, are you? <laughs> no, just, yeah, that that's yeah, going a little too far, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but I mean, you know, they do what they they do what they can do. Yeah, absolutely. What 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 is Bob Backlund up to these days? I see you're staying busy. My brother says you can still duck walk, which is incredibly impressive. I mean, you appear to be in incredible shape. What are you up to these days, sir? Well, uh, well I, I I turned uh, last uh, August 14th. I turned uh, 68 years old. Three days before that, I was down in Hammonasset. Uh, it's a it's a park in Connecticut, right on the ocean. And I went where the kids have their swings and stuff, and I was on this little uh, uh, platform, and I did a 1,030 squats in one set. Jeez. My biggest uh, number before that was the 700, <laughs> and uh, I wanted to do that before I got to be 68 years old. Wow. What do you and, uh, what do you attribute I, that to, Bob? Time catches up with all of us. Do you eat real clean? Are you a juice? Not when I say juicer, like fruit and vegetable juicer, like. How do you do that? I uh, I have a green drink right away in the morning. It's the worst thing I gotta do all day. <laughs> kale on top of kale on top of kale. Day. Yeah, it's got uh, no, it's got spinach, um, garlic, yeah. um, radishes, turnips, um, cantaloupe, and beets. There you go, the beets. Wow, yeah, that's a nice concoction are, there. I might have to give that a. Tr- I like doing some juice, and I like switching up my little recipes. I might have to give that one a give that one a try. Yeah, I do that every morning. I get up at six thirty in the morning. I make one for myself, then I make one for my wife. She takes it to school, and then uh, I run around all day doing things and trying to get bookings. Uh, I have a I have a book that's come out, uh, and uh, it's a book about my life. And I had an oil business, and I sold it because of the book. I wanna, I wanna go out and inspire as many people as I can for the rest of my life. I learned sixteen or six principles from high school wrestling, and I think that I'm handing somebody an opportunity to learn something and make their life better by studying, not just reading it. I've I've told people don't buy it if you just want to read it, but if you want to study it, this book is valuable. If you don't, you don't. I'd, I'd just soon sell it to somebody else. Right. But I think there's an opportunity if you study it enough to be able to implement some of those things in your life. Hopefully that would help you climb the ladder like I climbed the ladder. I, I conquered the wrestling business because of the six things that I learned. Wow, that's powerful. Well, and I, you know, and like that's I, I noticed that a very common theme with with you and your your just your ways or your integrity. You know what I mean? It's like you, your word is your bond kind of thing, and you're kind of one of the last of the Mohicans too. That someone who really puts his money or where his mouth is, as far as his ethics, his morals. You know what I mean? His standard that you will not capitulate on. Yeah. No. 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 Yeah. No. And I, um, I, I read I read this book. I, I you know I went through the process uh, and uh, we got it published. I read the book and I said to myself, Wow, we was that me? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe how it was when you put your whole life together it just uh it seemed so uh so just about uh, impossible to have that happen you know the things that went on you know yeah and i had a there, i i know you know i i know there's a power out there that's bigger than all of us 
I've had so many good things happen to me throughout my life that were miracles that uh, it's uh, it's uh, uh, just uh, I just know there's a big power that can control yeah. things out there. Yeah. Well, when I see a lot of professional wrestlers sometime, and you know, I, I on August 18th, I just turned 44, so it's just like you know, time is you know, time is waiting for none of us. But it's like, do you? I watched, um, I, you know, I'm a big Mark, Bob, but I watch a lot of videos and stuff, and I watch one on Luthez, and, you know, as he got older, and had, he was older, and he was like, man, I had such an amazing life. I wish I could do it again. Do, are you that uh, kind of nostalgic, wish you could do it again, or are you at peace with, like, kind of where things are at? You know, you see a lot of wrestlers who just, it, traditionally and throughout time, it's very hard for them to really leave the business. And, um, you know, what, what are your thoughts on your career and looking back on it nostalgically? Well, are you, you at know, peace with I, where you're at? I, I, you know, I like the wrestling business, but I love life better. <laughs> you know, I, I love things that I do. I love what I'm, you know, trying to do. I love the things that I'm trying to accomplish. And uh, if, I, if, I, if, if I had it to do over, though, there's only one thing that would change. There's only one thing I regret very much, and I wished I could go back and fix this. But uh, I worked out hard in athletics, and I used principles, and I used standards. But I did not apply those to the academic world, uh, and uh, I, re I regret that. Mm. And I'm, you know, I, I messed up a lot by not working hard in school and studying and, and learning as much as you can. I was thinking more athletics than, than, than school, and it, it was a big mistake for me to do that. Well, and I can understand that, but you know, it sounds like you've learned, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of life lessons along the way that can almost transcend book learning. You know what I mean? There's a certain yeah, mechanics yeah. to book learning, and then there's real life lessons, which you obviously have plenty of. And as you travel the world and travel trying to help change people's lives, you know that will that will obviously come to bear your life experiences more so than your academics, I would say. Yeah, and and, and my thing is that uh, I had some things that were good to me, and I had some people that helped me and. Uh, I want to I want to return that to uh, as many people as I can. You know, somebody helped me. I'd like to be a, a little help to somebody else that was maybe kicking around, having a little problem. You know, each one to each one. I definitely agree. So, is there any social networking? Where can we track down Bob Backlund and see what you're up to, sir? Well, um, you know, I'm on uh, Facebook quite a bit. Okay, Bob it, Backlund. It's, uh, it's Bob Backlund, All American Boy. There you go. Or it's Bob Backlund Page, or they can go on uh, uh, BobBacklundNow.com and look at the book and uh, see what it's all about, and they can order it there. And if they order it there, PayPal sends me a email or email uh, with with their information uh, in it. I, I I send them a little letter, a little email saying thank you for the order. I'm going to sign this book the way you want me to, and then I'm going to send it to you this afternoon or tomorrow. Very cool. Very cool. So I don't hire people. I like to know things are done, and I like to do it right. I don't just sign where you can't read it. You know who's signing the book. <laughs> and I take a whole page to do the signing. Well, and, and I'm going to let you go here in a second, but a story I found very, very fascinating. A gentleman you know very well by the name of Tommy Dreamer related a story when he was a kid trying to get your autograph, and you just whatever it was, you didn't have time or just couldn't make it or whatever, 
And then he yep. wound up obviously being in the business 30 years later, and you gave him, you know, obviously made up for the autograph, and you guys became very good friends. But, you yep. know, that was very interesting to him because, um, you know, it impacted him in his wrestling career. He, I'm sure he probably passed up some autographs too, but he really made a, a, a point to really take the time and hit every kid with an autograph because of that feeling he had being slighted yep. by his hero, Bobby Backlund. But you, you made it right. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I, um, I, 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 you know, I try to – uh do things the right way if i can and then it depends upon the situation i sure. I, uh, I you know i but um I, I i don't like letting people down and i don't say one thing and do another i uh um you know i i uh, i stick to stick to what it, the way it is and um and i try to treat everybody the same well but clearly I've had, I've had piles of letters where i sent somebody a return mail 9 years later <laughs> And I'm sure that made a pile, you know, better late than never, right? Keep, better yeah. late. Yeah, yeah. Nine years later, I had, I had. He, he was on the bottom, and I never got to the bottom. Of well, the you, pile. You got a lot of fans out there. So shout out again, Bobby. When are you going to be at SICW and Herb Simmons promotion again? September. September ninth is in St. Louis, and uh, you know what? Uh, back in the day, back in the seventies and eighties, I was trying to. Before you called, I was trying to think something maybe negative that I could say about that organization. I can't think of a single thing that they could have improved the way they were doing it. I think it was one of the greatest uh, wrestling towns uh, in the world. Um, the way it was and the way the people were and the way they treated you. And when we went to wrestle there, you were going to see the best wrestlers in the world. And you were going to compete with the best wrestlers in the world. Well, and as I got older, I didn't realize, you know, I, I didn't realize what the NWA really was. Obviously, a big territory, and it was mostly headquartered out of St. Louis. And Sam Muchnick yes. and obviously a couple other guys, but I really, I really get, learned to appreciate the value of what the NWA was. And like you said, the elite level that came through here all the time between the Keel, the Checker Dome, or I think it was Checker Dome, or wrestling at yep. the Chase. You know, it was a great, great, awesome time for wrestling. And, uh, yeah, I, I look forward to seeing you, meeting you at Herb Simmons' outfit, and I can't begin yeah. to thank you enough for your time, sir. You are no, a, a credit uh, to Mr. the industry. Mr. Simmons kind of took over what uh, Sam Mustick and uh, Larry Matisak were doing, right? He certainly did. He certainly yeah, did. I hear yeah, I, and I met him, but I'm not. I, 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 I'm looking forward to meeting him again. Yeah. yeah, he's a great guy. Like I said, one of the last Mohicans as well as you, sir. Again, thank you so, so very much for your time. Look forward to meeting you and continued success. Former WWF champion and champion at life, clearly, Mr. Bob Backlund. It's my pleasure, and have a great day, and looking forward to shaking hands. All right, buddy. Take care, ladies and gentlemen. Stay tuned. There will be more.